0: Gilder right wing from the Admirals line he'll dump it on the rim Thang was tripped up and no penalty Thang gets the puck bottom of the near circle Thang a shot save made rebound Van Gilder he scored Mark Van Gilder game winner Mark Van Gilder at 10:42 of overtime Thang got the puck away from Brad Lukowicz put the shot on goal it came back to Van Gilder and he scored So that was a long time ago. Welcome to this Milwaukee Admirals podcast with Charlie Larson. I'm Aaron Sims. That was a little more than 11 years ago, April 25th, 2011, Charlie. Crazy. The last time the Admirals won a playoff series until this past weekend. Yeah.
1: How many days was it, Aaron? I can't, it was, you know, I don't know. 4,038. As you, as you said so eloquently, On the broadcast. 4,038
0: days days since winning a series and 4,030 since winning a game on the road in the playoffs. And And the, the Admirals were able, in one fell swoop, to do both of them with a Sunday afternoon win at Manitoba to move on to the division finals where they'll take on longtime arch rival, the Chicago Wolves.
1: Right. Absolutely. Absolutely. And we're excited about that, obviously.
0: Very much so. It's been a long time. The, the, the guy who was responsible for that last highlight uh, joins us now. He's been doing color commentary with me on the telecast this year on My24. Uh, one of my favorite people in the history of the world, Mark Van Gilder, joins us. Uh, Van, thanks so much for doing this. Uh, let's go back to that moment. Uh, what yeah. do you do you remember? Hockey players have unbelievable memories, and yes. I'm curious about your memories about that. <laughs> about that. Well, first about that series, yeah. because like Gabriel Bork, who I just saw is scoring for Laval. yeah, yeah.
1: Uh,
0: Gabriel Bork had an unbelievable series in that
2: Texas series, right? He
0: had a couple. Uh, did he have two overtime winners down in Texas? He had one at least. Yeah, Chris had Ryan a great Thang series. Had one,
2: and Ryan Thang a slap shot coming down the right wing. Okay, um, and and Gabriel Bork, I remember basically everything about that series which is not surprising because we won if you want to ask me about the houston series i don't remember a single thing (laughs) um Uh, but i remember well first of all there that was one of the best the craziest series if you're a fan like that was amazing there was last second goals to tie games overtime crazy momentum swings um it was it was it was nuts it was nuts you, you'll remember I can't we went down to Texas and I think we they scored it maybe 1.4 seconds left or something in the third to tie it right and then we lost and beat us in overtime and everyone yeah. was saying like how do you come back from that And the next game where we think like, we scored at like a little over a minute left to tie it we won in overtime yes it was nuts that was that series had everything it was great and the play I remember the, the play that ended the series I remember as well like a, an amazing play by Ryan Thing who was it, who brought it off the wall yeah i mean I, a notre dame guy obviously um
1: <laughs> and a minnesota so he, kid too but he's a in minnesota kid. yeah
2: he hits all he checks all the boxes great guy um but he he tracked down a stars player like exiting the zone and like basically reached on his hands and knees and and swiped the puck like just right off his stick like from his hands and knees got up came down the wing and and ripped uh basically a shot pass off the far pad and it just landed right on my stick basically so i had to hold that to shoot at
1: i've watched that i've watched that that video probably a million times and i still can't believe there's a guy there's a guy from texas number 27 and i can't remember i don't remember the name because the video is a little grainy but he his his stick is right there on the puck how he, how you got it and he didn't, and how you got a clean shot off too. Like at the very least he should have muffled the shot and it goes harmlessly on the ground or whatever, but no, you yeah. beat him to it over his shoulder and there we go.
2: Yeah. I think your, your stick, your grip strength is always stronger in the offensive zone. Yeah. I think I remember who you're talking about and I think he's more interested in the other end of the ice than he was in the D zone. <laughs> um, but like you said, game of game of inches they always say which is the dumbest and most overused cliche but you know he gets his stick like a split second there quicker and the puck probably deflected over the net or something like you said charlie are
0: you sure it's 27 no because 27 is greg
1: rallo
2: i was just gonna Uh, say yeah Yeah. you better watch what you're saying i don't was
1: well in that series yes he was okay. He played
0: all six games in that yeah, series. Yeah, yeah. Yes. So it's
1: not 27. It's not 27. <laughs> uh, I Rawls, I apologize. I apologize from the bottom of my heart. I just had that in there. Uh maybe it's 37. Actually, I actually was
2: thinking I was actually thinking of someone else too, Charlie.
0: 47,
2: maybe. I was thinking of a big lefty. That
0: yeah, uh, it is a big lefty. Well, but is 37 that- 37 was Brad Lukowich. <laughs> okay. Who was a defenseman. Mm-hmm, defenseman. Yeah. It could have been Lukowicz. Um and was an was offensive Francis- minded. It was an offensive minded defenseman. Wasn't right?
1: fra- 47 Francis Wadier.
0: He was 38. Oh yeah. yeah. It- it's, <laughs> that's neither here nor there. You got Luke Gazdick in there at 30 number 34. But yeah. You got a lot of, you got a lot of names but alive. anyways <laughs>
1: but yeah, anyways. But anyways that's not what this podcast is
0: about <laughs> yeah 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 <laughs> enough about those guys let's let's yeah. name let's seven or eight Texas stars and figure <laughs> out who it is yeah <laughs> but but no so that that was a huge uh, that was at in that time too like the admirals had won the championship in 04 they'd gone to the finals in 06 they w- went to the second round in 09 so it wasn't and they'd been in the playoffs like every year except mm-hmm. for the very first season in the American Hockey League. So it wasn't like it. it, it don't get me wrong; it was special, but it wasn't. It, it there wasn't eleven years of drought in there. Right. What i
2: Oh, absolutely, for sure, it's different. That is a long time because after after a couple of years, like you said, like it's not it's not on your mind, right? Right. But like People... after eleven years, if like. If your announcer knows how, how many days, it, and it's it, over 4,000, and he's saying on there, you know, everyone's thinking about it. But Absolutely. you went,
0: it, it, the funny thing is, like, you're part of it, though, to, to a degree, in that, yes, for sure. Like, you, after that, you'd only won one more playoff game, exactly Swept by Abbotsford in 12, uh, one and three against Texas in 13, mm-hmm. uh, oh, and three against Toronto, Toronto. in fifteen, and didn't qualify no. in 15.
2: Yeah, and if anything, I think. That group is mostly responsible, (laughs) like like, just because we had good teams, we had good players, good teams, good coaches, and for some reason it just didn't work in the playoffs.
1: The 13-14 team, if you look at the the people on that team, Mm -hmm. it's as good as you know as as it turns out as any team we've not ever had, but like up there, Philip Forsberg, Colton Mm -hmm. Sissons, Austin Watson, uh. Patrick yeah, Salim, Carol Yarncrook, Mark Van yeah. Gilder.
2: And it's guys that cared too. It wasn't like yeah. guys who were just like packed it in or like whatever. So that's the, that is. I think there was yeah, one guy strange. on that
1: team that packed it in, but we won't bring up his, <laughs> but we won't bring up his name. Uh, it's, uh, so you were just talking of mentioning about the culture and, uh, and the players and knowing this stuff the other day, like, Players come and go, right? They're not mm-hmm. part of the of the streak. But the other day, Mitch McLean says in the locker room, he's like, "Listen, we got to change the playoff culture on this pl- these parts." For right? sure. And he's 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 been here. This is his eighty first games, year, right? Eighty games, yeah, eighty-one right. 80 games, right? He yeah. but he knows about it. He knows yeah. about this uh, place. He said this before Manitoba, so it's like, it, yeah, he's not been around for those eleven years, but it affects guys. It and you hear about it.
2: Absolutely. I mean, if you ask. Giordano, if he felt pressure in Toronto to win a playoff round after he's been there for 15 minutes, I'm sure he's saying, Of course, absolutely. As soon as you like enter the, you know, the greater Toronto area, you can feel it. Obviously, that's yeah. different. The pressure there is unbelievable. But like you said, it doesn't matter if you're there for the whole 11 years or you just showed up, it's still there.
0: Yeah. 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 Absolutely. So you've seen, Obviously, you've seen the Admirals this season. You saw Chicago this season. You know the rivalry as well mm-hmm. as anybody uh, playing against them so many times. You played against them in the playoffs, I believe. Mm-hmm. Um, what What is it like? How does it get rampant? I mean, you, pl- you play this team 10, this year, 14 times, 10 to 14 times a season. Yeah. And then you get a playoff series against them. Yeah. Uh, how nasty can it get? How... It, all of that stuff,
2: yeah. It, I've, I, the the first, my first year in Milwaukee, we played, or it was the second one of those two. We played them when we went seven, we played them twice in the preseason, 12 times in the regular season. Then the playoff that round won seven games in 09 10. Yeah, yeah, I believe like we had a guy maybe missed an empty net, like wide open net with like a minute and a half left or something. It was the, the, the series was that close, it was yeah. crazy, but I. <laughs> I mean, the, the team this year is that Chicago team is really good, extremely talented. They're high end talent, like guys having great seasons, um, but the familiarity and, can kind of bring things a little bit closer together. Level like you, things out. Huh? Yeah, there's no secrets like, of course, well, and, it's, it's going to be and con- a battle.
0: And consider the fact that these teams were together last
2: year, right? Specifically the coaches. I
0: mean, some of the players certainly, but the coaches were working hand in
2: hand all season last year. Exactly. So, like, I think just from a preparation standpoint, you've got so much to draw on. And as as a player, you're really familiar with the power play, with their breakout, how you want to, you know, disrupt it how you're going to attack their penalty kill, like literally everything, like how, what they're going to do in the neutral zone when you set, you know, like all the, all these kind of things are become a little more familiar. And as a player, the more familiar it is, the easier it is to kind of just play, you just react. Yes. So it's really going to be a, a lot up to the coaching staffs to kind of, you know, throw a little wrinkle in there or, you know, how the players are able to execute the little things that they can uh, pick out, hey, here's how we take advantage of this situation. Here's how we can take advantage of this situation. Because it obviously always comes down to the players anyways.
1: Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. That 2009-2010 series, Chicago, I just looked it up. They had 105 points. They were supposed to steamroll us, right? Mm-hmm. And they go, they win. We, we go down in the first two We lose the first two games in that series. And But this was a Lane Lambert coach team. And we'll talk about Lane a little bit later. Like, Lane was, he's a, a remarkable coach proof. You know, he spent his last most of his career in the NHL and now he's the head coach of the Islanders. Um, but you guys made adjustments and you even things out that Milwaukee team yeah. in fourth place uh, still had 90 points, which is a pretty good season, but much like this team, real good team, just maybe not quite, uh, especially at the beginning of the year, we weren't as, as good as they were, but yeah. you know, who knows now, but the playoffs level things and yeah. You know, talk a little bit about what I, this is a long way to get to this question about like, what is, people always say playoffs are different, but how are they different? What's the difference in the playoffs from the
2: regular season? Yeah, I think sometimes in the regular season, you can just kind of want it more than another team and you're just like, then it's, that kind of tips everything in your, in your favor.
1: They played the night before or. Yeah, they played the night before, they
2: had bad travel, so-and-so has had a tough time with what you know like things are going on but in the playoffs it's the focus and the preparation is so everyone's so dialed in that like basically everyone's selling out every shift so like they're the the sprint to the puck that you know the day the in the regular season maybe you get to like easily and you can just kind of like get get you know inside position and you're on the puck that that simp, that simple 5-foot race or 5-step race is like an absolute battle just to get to that puck because the possession means that much or it's maybe it's on the pp and like that one extra possess, like one extra control of the puck might be the difference of scoring the goal and might be the difference of winning the game or not and that like it's just so much more magnified when it can end your season as opposed to when it's like oh well we got 50 more games this year it's it's fine like I'll, right. if i lose this battle it's not the end of the world Speaking as a as a hockey player, as a team, you're it is the end of the world for your team if you lose this round. So like that's why those puck battles become so highly contested. I don't want to be the guy that loses this battle, that doesn't get the puck out, doesn't get the puck in, costs us a goal, costs us the game, costs us the series. So it's just like everyone's selling out, in the desperation level is just five times higher. You
0: know, I, I what you're saying there, and it, it it makes me think that you talk about physical teams and skilled teams and all of that stuff. And the the assumption or the uh, presumption is that the skilled team isn't going to do all of that. That that's not the case right now. Like every team, even yeah. if you're known for high end skill, right? Like the Wolves, you're, you're all you're exactly. all physical teams all now. You're all yeah. physical teams.
2: Mm -hmm. Exactly. And not only that, but I think if you watch the lightning play, like they have some really high end talent, Braden point, Kucherov, Stamkos, you can still raise your compete level by using your own identity. With whatever that is, if you're an undersized guy, it's getting there, you know, getting there quicker and you know, the hard change of direction cut back before like you get pinned or like it's, it's not all the same for every guy. You can raise your compete level. Like you said, Aaron, if you have a, a skilled team, that is just really good on puck control puck possession that kind of thing it it doesn't mean they got to go out there and run everyone through the glass suddenly they're still going to play their identity but just raising their compete level i think a great example of that is that when i was a kid watching hockey the 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 detroit red wings teams sure that were just like unbelievable talent fedorov Laryanov, eiserman all these guys but shanahan Um, these guys raised their compete level. They didn't change, you know, completely the way they played. Yeah. The guys are finishing more hits, but they still played their game.
1: It's it's, just at a higher level. It's, and it's about, like you said, it's about desperation. Exactly. You got to be desperate. So how do you, then do you, where's the line? And this is, maybe this is even an answer, a question you can answer, but how do you avoid taking it from I'm competing to I'm being stupid, right? I'm trying to do things (laughs) that Right, like uh, uh, uh where things that I I can't do. I'm uh, I'm pushing out, af- pushing after the whistle. Like, how do you, yeah. as a player, how do you reconcile that in your mind, or you just have to be cognizant of it?
2: Yeah, that's actually a good question because it is tough sometimes. Because I've had a lot of game ones of the playoff in my career where I was terrible because I said to myself, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to be an impact. I needed to be a difference maker. When really you just got to go. It's still hockey. You got to go play right. the game, and just you know, with the preparation, you know you're going to be you're going to be there. You're going to block the shot. You're going to finish your check. That stuff's already on your mind, so you don't need to think about going out there and being something you're not. So that is that is a, a good point because that's how that's why you can kind of see like teams that come out flat. Like what is this team? They got too hyped. Guys are trying to do too much
0: turning the puck over
2: running around you still got to play hockey that that is a fine it's a very fine line and it's a kind of a tough thing to find but you'll see as the playoffs go especially the nhl because i'm sure everyone's watching as it goes there's not really any more like easing into games or series it's balls out from the the first puck drop because they're just in that zone now and you're not thinking about it anymore you're just playing
0: what you were saying about being too hyped and all of that stuff. How much of that is a factor in a five-game series as opposed to a seven-game series, where there's even more urgency? I think, right? You don't, yeah. You don't want to lose game one. You still got six to go if you lose game one
2: normally, right. but now yeah. you got four to go. Well, I think that that is a good point. The shorter the series, the more desperate you are to to win the first one to get off to a good start. Um, so that can definitely be a factor. Uh, I think maybe that was a factor in the round you just you guys just watched. Um, with Manitoba, like down suddenly down two zero, you're like, holy smokes! Like our season could be over in, in the flat in a flash, blink of an eye. Um, so yeah, that can happen. Of of course, you don't want to go down one zero in a seven game series, but that's a good point. Like the shorter the series, like that, um, the more you know, the more hyped you can get.
1: And yeah. is there is there more pressure on a home team in game ones because they have the home ice advantage as soon as. You know who, who I don't remember who's the, the the popular line is a series doesn't starts until a road team wins right yeah I, uh or is it just like hey this is hockey and this is what it's gonna every game's gonna be a battle and it doesn't really matter if it's home or on the road
2: yeah it depends I think um, I still do think I don't think you care as a player you're like whatever like they win the first one doesn't matter where it is we'll win the second one but. Yeah. If you are going into a building as like the underdog, obviously, you're obviously the underdog if you're going on the road first most of the time, unlike yes. some of the, the shorter series. Um, but uh, I'm sorry, what I was just I just lost my train of thought. I was talking,
1: I mean, I was just curious about like the
2: pressure. Oh, Is yeah, there more yeah, pressure
1: yeah. on Chicago yeah. as the favorite. Uh, and the I think team? so.
2: I think that I think the pressure on the home team, like, because as a road team, you're thinking. We just gotta get one of the first two, yeah. Is what you're thinking. You're saying like, if we win the first one, we're playing with house money. Great. If we can go up two, amazing. But we we came here hoping for a split, and then. So I I do think the there's a lot more pressure on the home team in game one. But if they get and if if you get game one as the home team, you lose game two,
1: it's the same thing.
2: It's the same. So you're like, okay, now we gotta win one on the road. Like we you know. So I I do think the pressure wise is a little bit easier to go um, on the road first. Cause you're just like, man, we, we get one, we're in great shape.
0: And and now, and there haven't been playoffs the last couple of seasons, obviously in the American hockey league, but now with one series under the belt, there's really no such thing as a rookie anymore. Is there <laughs> right. like, like they've, they've seen it now.
2: You've seen it all, especially in the case of the admirals, you you've played, you've played in a game uh, an eliminate, basically a game seven. So game five yeah. was basically essentially game seven. So, you've had guys that have had that experience um, gotten a number of playoff games under your belt. So yeah, there's no, there's no excuses. And you're as a player, you're not going to, you're not going to use that as, a, as an excuse anyways, but like you said, there's no more rookies. It's just everyone in together.
1: Uh, I got to ask about the nine, 10 season. I am pretty sure it was the nine, 10 season because we lost game seven mm-hmm. against Chicago, but the season didn't end for you and or mm-hmm. for jeremy smith i think it was mike bartlett if i'm not mike, mistaken yeah. right so we we're in the us, same
2: flight on different right? teams tell,
1: <laughs> tell us what happens your admirals okay mm-hmm. the the date of game seven that year was april 26th the april 26th your teammates april 27th you're not tell us why not and then what happened from there
2: yeah so we and mike bartlett uh, fantastic human being, also obviously Notre Dame guy as well. Um, <laughs> oh, <gosh.
1: but laughs> I can't believe I set him up for that. And that makes me want to vomit a little
2: bit. It's too easy. It's too easy. Uh, anyway, we, he'd been called up. He was on, he wasn't affiliated with, affiliated with Milwaukee. He was just called up. Because he's a good player. He had just signed in with a, on a coast contract. So he went to South Carolina after the, after the playoffs had ended, I went to Cincinnati as well as jeremy smith maybe reed cash but i can't remember what year this was yeah but so we were on the same flight together we played game six the next night i believe i believe it was in south carolina the the very next night the very next night we played game six and we cincinnati we were down three to two we won and then the next night after that, we played game seven. So I went, we went game seven, game six, game seven, three, three games and three nights. Oh. And elimination games, elimination games, three nights in a row. Elimination games, three nights in a row. Um, and then the funny thing is, after the game seven, I can't remember, I don't know what day it was. At the time, I probably don't even know what day it was. I was so delirious. We had one day in between that round and the next round starting in Cincinnati. And I, I flew back to Milwaukee to clean up my apartment, have an exit meeting, and drive down to Cincinnati. Oh, I didn't oh get all God. the way down to Cincinnati. I was so tired that day. I had to make a pit stop. So the next morning, I got up, missed pregame skate, and then, then that round started. Um, we went down quickly 3 0. I think we were a little bit tired in that, but we actually came back to win that series as well and, yeah. the, and the Kelly Cup, which was crazy. But that, that week was one of the craziest weeks of hockey of my entire life. Oh my gosh. I, I yeah, can't that, believe that.
0: that. That brings up too, because I, I said this to Matthew Olivier and like people will say, well, you were wh- wherever all season you were in the NHL and you know, what's your interest going to be playing in the playoffs in the American league or you were in the mm-hmm. American league. What's your in- interest going to be playing in the ECHL? It's like. Guys, this is, the, this is the identity. this is how we mm-hmm. get contracts. Like, th- mm-hmm. we, we have pride, we, all of these things, right? Of course yes. we want to win a championship. That's why we're
2: here no matter what level. Exactly. And I mean that, that kind of separates the I think the good players from the great players. but it's, it's for the most part everyone at this level, you hate losing. It doesn't matter where you are. Like, um, winning at any level is so much fun. Yeah, and there, there's literally not there's no positive to losing. Like there's okay, the our my summer's two weeks longer. Um okay, yeah. great. That's great, but right. <laughs> depending on where you're going, it's probably 53 degrees, anyways, up here and <laughs> so you might as well be winning. And like, so that that's a that's a good point because when we went down to Cincinnati, you're like, man, I like I just want to take a breath. But as right. soon as the puck's dropped, you're like, okay, like it's on, let's, let's go get this. Right. Yeah.
1: You know, which yeah. is crazy. All, another yeah. former coach of yours, Dean Evison, would say he would ask him about guys being tired because it's a three and three or whatever. He'd be like, listen, once the puck drops, these guys are in amazing shape. They have to play 60 minutes and then they can be as tired as they want. But during the game, it shouldn't affect them, it shouldn't impact
2: them. Yeah. And I, I don't think the hardest part of, th- of a three and three is like, travel the Wednesday enough. before <laughs> yeah <laughs> when it's like the the preparation waiting waiting for it to come is the hardest part of the anticipation but it, like you said once the puck, puck drops and Dean is spot on like you jump over the board you're not like oh I wonder if I have enough in the, in the tank for this shift no you're like I'm gonna go get I'm gonna go get this on the board here I'm gonna go win this battle so it's a good point
0: you know, you know uh, Charlie brings up Dean We're going to talk about Lane Lambert, but I'm thinking here that the full-on head coaches that you've played for are now all head coaches in the National Hockey League from Milwaukee. Now that Lane Lambert's been hired by the Islanders, Herbie, I guess, was an assistant with the Edmonton Oilers, but Mm -hmm. Kirk 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 Muller Muller. went to Carolina Um, and, and Dean Evison, of course.
2: I'm seeing the common denominator, and not once have I heard these guys give me any love. Helping you, them get to the NHL. How about, a, how about a
1: tryout, even, right?
2: I mean, no, just just a, a, a hey. I recognize that all of us have made it to the NHL simply by coaching Mark. Mark Van Diel- <laughs> Just a little <laughs> love would be great, you know. Like, um, no, I, I was I was extremely fortunate, and one of the reasons why I stayed in Milwaukee for so long. Like, I've had guys that are like, "Man, I'm out of here. I can't stand this coach. Like, I can't play for this guy. I can't play for this guy." I love we had great coaching staffs in Milwaukee we were extremely fortunate very different personalities but all fantastic coaches yeah um so I, I was lucky and it, there's no it's no surprise that all those guys are are now had a, either now or have had NHL jobs and I think it was long overdue on multiple on a couple of those for sure
1: yeah so let, let, let's talk about Lane right he's just hired as the New York Islanders coach he spent. Boy, how many years did he spend as an assistant uh, to Barry? Uh, since
0: 2011. Uh, since,
1: since 2011, yeah. The
0: 11-12 right. season when he got Absolutely. promoted to Nashville, yeah. So 11
1: mm-hmm. years, and now he finally gets this opportunity. Lane, hold on. This blew my mind when I read this the other day. Lane is 56. Lane Lambert is 56 years old. That blew – that really made <laughs> me feel old. It blew my mind. Anyways. No way. Uh, So what was it about Lane for you that you loved having as a coach and what makes him a good coach?
2: Um, Man, there's a lot. I think the main things are his attention to detail, one, and his just extreme passion for the game and for winning. Like, if he – I bet he's still sour over preseason losses in the American League from 15 (laughs) years ago. (laughs) He cares so much. He wants it so bad, and he is willing to put in any number of hours of work to get his team ready to play. There is nothing that he has not covered with his with the team before a game starts. And that, for me, uh, some guys some guys don't like that maybe information overload. I loved it because any face off, I, I knew exactly what I was doing on a win, on a loss, in any zone, on any dot. Any situation in the game, there was no surprises going into the game. I knew exactly what we were doing. and It, it took the hesitation. It took the thinking out of it for me. Um, as a sociology major, that's what you want to do playing. <laughs> you want to take all the thinking out of it and just where did, oh, where From did what you get school?
1: This, where, yeah, what degree did you get that from? What school? Yeah, you thank work? you,
2: guys. That's right. <laughs> My wife gives me a hard time finance major. Yeah. Notre, right. Notre yeah.
1: What's she going to do with a finance major? <laughs> Sociology is where it's at.
2: Exactly. Exactly. Um, but he, he was the details, like you said, the details, there was nothing. And, and he was, and it wasn't just like, it wasn't about him. He like everything was covered, but I remember specific discussions about other team about plays about watching video there's face-off plays that other teams ran that kind of burned us. And we were going in to play the same team again. And we were watching it and Lane said, Hey guys, like van, what do you think about this as a centerman? Like, how should we handle this? And then he was like, Hey, Hey, you know, Forto as a D man, like, does that work for you? What Mark said, should we do that? Or how about this? And he'd say, you know, that, that sounds good. Here's what I was thinking. And then Lane would, he would take all the information and say, okay, here's what we're going to do. Yeah. He would make the decision. He would say, this is what we're doing. But he, he wasn't too proud to ask for help. He wasn't too proud to ask like, what we thought. I love that about him. He, he was a, a great guy, a great coach. He respected us. And, I mean, yeah, he's, he was nuts. He is nuts in, in, a, good, in a very good, a good way. He wants the team ready to go. He wants to be sharp. He was awesome. There, playing there's playing. The, the,
0: the story and, and made the rounds in the, at this level. Uh, from that 9 10 season, you're playing Chicago at All-State Arena. And I don't remember which game it was, uh, but Chris Chelios, who has... Charlie and I were talking about this the other day. Chris Chelios has literally seen everything in the game <laughs> by this. I mean, he's, he's 25 years in the NHL at this point, and now he's finishing up his career with the Chicago Wolves. And he said the adjustments that Lane made during the game. And we we, we around here, like Milwaukee, the Bucks fans are talking about what coach bud is doing during the game right in mm. game adjustments and does he do enough and all of this stuff mm-hmm. um chris cellio said that the adjustments lane made during the game in 0910 a regular season game were the best he had ever seen <laughs> certainly there's some recency bias whatever the case For might sure. have been right and yes. and you can you can take all of that stuff whatever i i like to take it at face value because for a guy who has seen everything, that's
2: a pretty bold statement to make. You don't just Chris Chalios isn't just going to throw that out there for no. No, reason. exactly. Right, exactly. Right. Especially yeah, in the American Hockey League. Exactly. Yeah, for sure. And that's like I said, like that's uh, a very good trait of a coach: humility. Hey, it's not working. I worked my nuts off to get to get us get this game plan ready for my guy, like ready for this game. It's not working, so I'm going to change it. Yeah, I'm not going to wait. Lane wouldn't wait for the, the period to end. He wouldn't wait for the next shift. The whiteboard's out right there. And he's making an adjustment,
0: right? He's leaning over your shoulder right exactly. now. The next time you're out, this is happening.
2: This here's what we're doing. Here's what we're, here's the adjustment we're making. Here's what we're changing. And the next group comes off the ice. lets that group know. And then there you go. Done. Like move on.
1: You know, C- Colin Wilson, uh, you obviously <laughs> played with here. you uh, you He told this hilarious story on a different podcast about playing in Peoria and, uh, it's a Sunday game and he's not really paying much attention. You know, Willie could be a, a little bit of an airhead, right? Uh, and a great, probably as dominant to players we've had at this level for the time he was here. He was, yeah, so he good. was awesome, but we're in Peoria and Lane calls uh, during a timeout or whatever. He says, okay, center is not swinging behind the net anymore on a breakout. Not, <laughs> and, and what does Willie do? He's like, I guess I just wasn't paying attention next, <laughs> next breakout. He swings behind the net. And, Ye- and Lane yells from the bench at him, "Hey Willie, you know f you."
2: Willie, and- yes, I, I remember this because Lane's leg came over my shoulder because he was <laughs> the le- step he onto the foot, boards. He put his foot on the boards <laughs> so he could get closer to Willie as he skated by with the puck. Oh, yeah. that was hilarious. <laughs> and then, I mean, if you're calling Wilson, what else can you do? I just, a huge smile on his face. as he oh,
1: I'm sure. Side. I'm sure. Right. Like luckily you oh, didn't uh, decapitate him or anything. Yeah, you, that was you,
2: great.
0: you had said in a career of great moments, one of your great, if not your greatest moment was a conversation you had with Lane in Nashville.
2: Yeah. Yes. Um, I, I mean, I think there are a lot of guys that respect Lane as a person, as a coach. I'm, I'm up there, you know, near the top of the list. I loved playing for him. Um, and then, like, I, you know, when he moved to Nashville, I'd have training camps there. And obviously there's a lot of guys there. But, like, just for him to take the time to, like, just talk to me, you know, um, tell me how I'm doing and kind of just give me some advice during training camp, that kind of stuff was awesome. And what, like, the last training camp I had with him there, my second to last season, before um, him and Barry had moved on, he pulled me aside after practice and told me, Hey, Mark, you're the smartest player I ever coached. And I, I was, I was actually blown away. Like I was, I think like it might've been a Chelios moment. Maybe he was thinking that I see at the moment (laughs) that you're the smartest player I'm coaching currently, or I don't know what he meant by, but I, but it it really made an impact on me because I just, the the amount of respect I had for him Um, huge tire pump. I'll never forget it. Uh, I did get sent down three hours later. So I, I have <laughs> but some questions. not because of him. About, yeah, you're the smartest player. He probably was going to say, you're the smartest player, but you're, you're really just not skilled enough to play. <laughs> I think he laughed out the second part of that sentence, which I appreciate. And I'll I'll take it as the greatest compliment I've gotten in my my hockey career. That's awesome. That's, that's fantastic. Awesome. Yeah,
0: that's great. Uh, Van, we can't thank you enough for the time, as always. Good to see you. And, uh, yeah, we'll, we'll hopefully get, the, get a longer run in the postseason. We can get, maybe find another
2: TV game somewhere along the way. I hope so. I hope so. And like I told Charlie, for you guys, anything, anytime, anywhere.
1: Well, be, careful, be careful what you offer. Yeah,
2: well, I'll right? just turn my phone off if I really don't want to. If you really you can don't do want to that. talk to us. Yeah. <laughs> you can do that. New phone, this. Uh, <laughs> that'll, that'll do
0: it. For Charlie Larson, I'm Aaron Sims. Thank you for listening to this Milwaukee Animals Podcast.